Welcome back, everybody. Episode four of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. I'm here with James. We got some great topics here, some historical topics, some current news, but mostly historical topics because we're still in this pretty brutal dead period of baseball news with the lockout and everything. You got something to say to start us off? Yeah, well, first of all, I think you forgot to introduce yourself, but of course, that's the lovely Max with the introduction, so I appreciate that and love that. Of course, this lockout, we've seen no progress, and there very well may be progress happening. We're not hearing about it. Yeah, it's, hopefully. It's kind of one hopefully. of those things where I think hopefully, you know, you get through the holidays, you get through New Year's, they'll start banging this thing out. No one wants to lose money, so hopefully there's some movement, but... uh Talking about modern news and kind of kicking us off for the day, uh, it's got to be my boy Corey Seager, his brother, announced his retirement yesterday uh, via Twitter. Actually, I believe his wife announced it. His wife's it. Twitter, yeah. His wife's Twitter, uh, which was great. But, you know, I say Kyle Seager, just America's hero, just Mr. Average in baseball, I'd say. What, what yeah, I think? mean, look, Kyle Seager was never you know, one of the best players in baseball, we'll say that. I mean, relatively he was, but he's a one-time All-Star. He won a Gold Glove. But the thing about Kyle Seager, he played his whole career in, in Seattle, um, so a Seattle lifer. And I think the biggest thing for me with him is he's always been consistent. From the day he was drafted, nobody has played more games other than Carlos Santana and Eric Hosmer. So he played almost every single game he could, um, and, you know, 250 average, 780 OPS around there uh, for his career. And he was up for, um, he, had, he had a, a contract uh, buyout from the, the, the Mariners. They could have picked up his option for $20 million, I think. Um, and, you know, there was probably a market for him in free agency. You get $10, $14 million, um, good position, positional player. I guess this was just the time he called it quits. I know we all remember his emotional um, last game in Seattle, but a little surprised by this. Of course, yeah. I mean, I guess didn't necessarily expect him to retire. Good on him. I figured it's that situation where you mentioned the consistency. And, and that's what was great about Kyle Seager, just the guy that was there. I mean, he's hitting 250 for you, starts 154 games each season, does it 11 years, same franchise, just your guy. That's that's a guy, just can count on. Yeah, from 2012 to 2018, he played at least 154 out of 162 games. And then in 2019, I believe, he played 104. But then in the COVID year, he played all 60. And then last year, in his final year, he played 159 out of 162. So, I mean, no days off for this guy. So, he's somebody you want on your team. I mean, 250 average is good. And if you're consistent playing every day, I mean, that's somebody you would want. Right, I mean, you'll you'll take that. Right, not everyone's going to be a super. You can't have everyone bat three hundred. Um, and you know, I wonder if there's any part of this of Corey's like Kyle. Why don't you just start spending time with the family? Here's an <laughs> allowance, you know, with that big old juicy contract. Yeah, I I, I bet part of it was I bet he would have kept playing if Seattle didn't decline his option and he could play another year in Seattle. Um, I imagine, but who knows? I, I bet he just didn't necessarily want to play anywhere else. Well, I mean, how do you feel about his wife? Uh, revealing the news. His wife tweeted a message from my husband and then kind of a screenshot of the message, which was, I'm retiring, thank you, Seattle, blah, 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 all that type of stuff. Right. You know. Unorthodox. It's a little bit weird. I mean, it's just weird because a guy of this nature, we're like, you know, most MLB fans just at least know the name. I mean, Alex is Corey and all that, but but you can't send it to the team, little press release, hit it with the MJ, the facts or something. I don't know. The wife's just kind of like, I had to kind of double check. Then I'm like, wait, the wife. Then I'm like, 
Corey Seager just retired. What? And I'm like, ah, oh, kind of, what? Like, have they ever played each other? Oh, they have. There they was have. a couple. I mean, there was a couple of nice matchups. Uh, watching them go uh, for L.A., Seattle, respectively, and, and those were fun to watch. Because so. now they'll play a little bit more. How that Corey's in the American League? Yeah, that well, they would have. They would have both been AL West. I mean, they would have been sitting there. Yeah. So they would have been playing a lot. Uh, so I, I get that's part of it. And you kind of at Seattle, it's like. Man, make the guy's dreams come true if he wants it. I know you're worried about payroll, but he plays consistent. It's not like you really have much else going on. Like, you're playoff contenders. Yeah. I guess good for him. You know, he made the decision. He had a great career in Seattle. He's not He's not at that Hall of Fame level by any means, but he could be in Seattle's Hall of Fame or maybe get his jersey retired in Seattle. I mean, he lived. He had a great career. Just, just a household name if you're a Seattle baseball fan. And these guys are important to... To the sport, you know, you don't think about it. I, I don't know the exact statistic, but what the average MLB career, when you look at it, it's like a year to three years, something like that. Yeah. So, so you know, 11 years, that solid work. Congratulations, Kyle Seeger. Yeah. Thank you for hitting 251. Hopefully he can root on his brother now. That's right. You want to, I, th- I think you got to kick off this next topic. This is a new segment we're starting, and... You'll yeah. do the honors. Well, I'll actually say this segment was a fan suggestion, so we love that. Keep the input rolling in. Yes. Of course, hit the Twitter, rounding third now. Um, but the, the segment is just current players, Hall of Fame or not. Every time we do the segment, we're just going to talk about a guy who's currently playing. You can tune in and hopefully watch him on Sunday Night Baseball if we get the CBA resolved. Our first one, near and dear to my heart. And this is a lock. This I mean, this lock. this is the easiest one, I would say, pretty much no doubt. That's Clayton Kershaw, ace, starting pitcher, lefty, lefty number 22 for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, hell of a career this guy's had. He's Cooperstown <laughs> bound. Actually, in MLB The Show and my player thing, he retired, and I think it was six days later he was in Cooperstown. It's that quick, <laughs> and I expect a similar, similar uh, run out here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Kershaw is a no-doubter Hall of Famer, but I, I think it's a good one to start off with. You know, we can kind of run through some of his career accolades, and the craziest thing about him is he's only 33 years old. So, I mean, he is not... You look at... We talked about this in the past. Scherzer, Verlander getting massive contracts at 37, 38. Um, and now Kershaw at 33, I mean, he's still got years left, and he's already a no-doubt Hall of Famer. I mean, just to quickly run through some of these... Through his career, he's 185-84. Obviously, your record's not a huge stat because it kind of depends on your offense getting runs, too. It's it's great to have the L.A. bats behind you. But a career career ERA under 2.5, a whip right at 1, 2,670 strikeouts, three-time Cy Young winner, MVP in 2014, uh, won the ERA titles, the lowest ERA in the league five times, won a gold glove, eight-time All-Star, Won a triple crown where you lead the pitching and wins, K's, excuse me, and ERA. Obviously, the 2020 world champion. Um, and led NL and whip and ERA for four straight years. I mean, I mean, these are some great stats. I mean, anytime you have an ERA of 2-5 for one season, you're, you're doing pretty well, yes. let alone for a career. Yeah, it, it's, it pits him up there with some of the best in history, uh, the strikeouts. I mean, it's great. Winning an MVP as a pitcher is an incredible feat in itself. He's just been that guy. He's always there. <clears throat> and, and you know, I, I got to bring this up while, while James gets a little sip of water here. I got to bring this up. The one knock on him, 
And, you know, I've been on the fortunate side of this many times as a Cardinal fan. But he struggles in the postseason. He always gives up dingers to back-to-back Rendon Soto, Matt Carpenter, Matt Adams. I mean, he's had some he's had some trouble in the postseason. That's maybe one knock you could give to him. It doesn't take away from his Hall of Fame career, but... Well, let me add in, all of this postseason malarkey and allegations are completely false and were proven false in 2020 when Clayton Kershaw hoisted that trophy above his head. But I will say, when you look at it all in a big glance, what's crazy is in the regular season, you have a guy who is the best of the best. I mean, statues, everything. I mean, the rock-solid guy. He's the reason L.A. is a perennial playoff team. Singular reason. And you get to the postseason. He can have the great season. He can win an MVP. You get to the postseason. And he's like your third best pitcher. And, you know, sometimes you get him. And also, I will say in 2020, he did actually, not only did he win a World Series, he put together some really quality starts. Yeah, it just seems like in the postseason, it's more of him just like these big moments when he can't afford to give up a home run or can't afford an extra base hit. But that's exactly what happened. It, it's the big moment he can't get out of. And it's painful because even after the big moment, it'll be a big moment in the fourth. He'll strike out the side for the fifth and the sixth and then move on and lose the game. And it, it, it is. It's just that moment. Um, so, of course, I'd like to see how 2019 could have been different if there weren't trash cans involved. <laughs> you know? 2017? Or 20, yeah, excuse me, 2017. Thank you to the 2019 Nationals for exposing all of this <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Clayton Kershaw, I mean, when you think of Cooperstown, when I think of Cooperstown, that's a guy you know is going to be there, and that's why I really want him to sign with L.A. again because I want him there. No confusion on the hat. Also a great guy. I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but no bad press. Like, he's always been a class act of baseball. Huge family guy. Every year he does a huge ping-pong tournament. He's great at ping-pong, like filthy. (laughs) <laughs> at it. uh, it's a very funny skill, but he brings all the Dodgers in, brings in celebrities, Dodger Stadium, whole event. Just great guy. Him and his wife have the foundation, four daughters. Uh, and you know what I love, and this is one of the things I love about baseball, you see Clayton Kershaw picture him out in public. He's wearing the same New Balances my dad wears, cargo <laughs> shorts and you know, a random Dave Matthews t-shirt. Yeah. And that guy's one of the best athletes in his sports. I mean, I love him. He's an awesome guy. One day, maybe I can have a child named Clayton would be quite the moment. Get him in Cooperstown. Let's do yeah, that. I mean, I think we both agree, agree this is a consensus Hall of Famer. I mean, these stats and awards speak for themselves. Um, and he is one of those free agents that we talked about during our free agency episode. So he is not currently under contract with the Dodgers. Nope. Um, I, I, would, I expect him to resign. It's possible he goes to the Texas Rangers because it's his hometown. It's probably one of those two teams, but... I imagine he sticks around in I'm, L.A. I'd say I feel about 80% L.A. Maybe there's a 20% fastball, probably even smaller than that. I mean, how, how many years do you think he has left? Because he's kind of been on – he's not at the 2011 to 2015 Kershaw right. level anymore. I, now, see, and I, I think – I would say pending he goes to L.A. because L.A. has the arms and the right yeah. people there where he can take more of a backseat role. As long as he can do that and he's comfortable being that second, third arm, which he he has been up to this point. He he turned the ace position over to Walker Bueller a minute ago and then succeeded it to Scherzer. Of course, there was injury that whole time. Um, but, he, you know, he, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, I think that's a good point. The, the 
even if he's on the decline, if he can stay in LA, he can sit behind Bueller, sit behind Dustin May. And um, what probably a, not Bauer anymore, but but you know he can kind of play one of those the, the third in the rotation role. And I think he's still good enough at this point, and, and he he still has proven this. And he was competing up until he had some injuries, but he was having a good season. Um, and you know what I think is going to happen here is that if he's comfortable in that role, he can maybe keep rolling out with a three point you know three one ERA something like that, three ERA in that range do that for three or four more years. I mean, there's no reason. I don't think we can't see him at 37. Now, I will say, I don't think we're seeing Clint Kershaw at the Max Scherzer 37. Yeah, no $50 million contract at no, 37. I, I don't think this is going to be like, you know, a big sign in there, uh, which is why it's, let's keep him in LA. Let's finish this right. And yeah, I think that guy of any player, 1,000% chance all the time. Yeah, definitely. I, I would say he's top, you know, two or three, maybe number one, but... I think I think it's a good way to start, kind of kick off this segment with a hundred percent lock. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. If you want to recommend us some players to review, um, we'd love to take a look um, in, in any type of player, really. Right, you you it could send be anybody. Name, yeah, we'll look at anyone. I mean, I'll give you a quick one: Kyle Seager. Unfortunately, not. No, no, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, at anyone. I mean, throw us names. We'll go through it. I think this is a fun thing. Ton of careers. Uh, a lot of there's a couple guys in the MLB right now that are really good conversations. So. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm glad our fans gave us a topic. This is this is a great segment. We're gonna keep rolling throughout the year. Um, how about this next one? This is this is a little bit different because it's not strictly about the MLB. It's more about baseball in general. And I think a lot of casual fans might be interested in this. Yeah. So so this is one where we're just kind of gonna talk. We have no idea each other's responses, but the question posed is just. Hardest position in baseball. How, how about you say yours? I'll say mine. Okay. I, I So I, I think we're going to have similar answers to this. Um, maybe. Because I think there are there are two obvious choices. And um, what I'm going to go with is the catching position, the catcher. Because I, I think you're there, – there are so many aspects to why this is difficult. But from a kind of mental and game aspect, you're in charge of so much out on the field. You need to understand each specific batter who's coming up, what his strengths or weakness, strengths and weaknesses are. You have to control the pitch flow, make sure you're giving the right pitches to the right batters. Um, you have to make sure no one's stealing. You have to keep an eye on all base runners. You have to monitor the shifts. Um, and from a physical aspect, being in that, that crouched position for nine innings every single day for years on end, I mean, years. I mean that's, that takes a physical toll. Um, and not to mention the difficulty of catching 100 mile an hour fastballs and 70 mile an hour sliders and knuckleballs and all these pitches that just it, are insane. And if if they get by, so so I guess I'll spoil it and just say, kind of unfortunate. I was gonna say catcher. <laughs> I think that just you know, and I think really now it's just talking about what makes it that hard. And as you say, and the stress of that position while you're managing this, and for the for the casual fans, and really this is probably not too commonly known. When a game is going on, the catcher is calling the game. So yeah. what's happening is like your catcher is telling he's the your point pitcher guard, the what quarterback. To, right, he's saying, okay, I want to attack this guy with a fastball, hit him with a curveball. I want an away slider. So you have really your catcher is normally your sharpest guy out on there. He knows baseball. He's as you said checking runners, and you have this pressure where, okay, I'm calling this moment. I'm looking to make sure this guy's not stealing second, getting ready to throw him out while I have to think about catching this 100-mile-an-hour fastball that's going to be high. 
so I need to pop up, but I can't tip the fact that I'm going to pop up. Exactly, exactly. He's like, I know Big Poppy can't hit sliders away, just to use a name, but can't hit these sliders away. I got to make sure to, to, to slide over, but I also have the runner off first. I need to be ready for a pitch out and whip it down there. And I mean, you look at players like Buster Posey or Yadier Molina who have played for 15-plus years at catcher. I mean, how is it? how would it even be possible that you don't have severe knee issues for the rest of your life? I mean, being crouched like that for 15-plus years every single day. But Yachty's at, what, 2,700 innings? <laughs> Something like that. I mean, it's, it's or outrageous. Games, 2,700 games. Yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah, so when you realize that position, I mean, if you want to just give it a go, folks, I won't just crouch. I mean, cr- like, <laughs> yeah. can you imagine just crouching in your knees like that? That is. And then catching 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. <laughs> yeah, there's so much going on, and you have to understand the game. And I think it's funny because you look at some of the baseball movies, The Misconceptions, and it's like, oh, the catcher is always just a fat kid who can hit bombs, not great at hitting, eight-hole hitter, and he's fast so he can block baseballs. It's like, no, you have to be athletic. You have to know the game. I mean, a lot of them are slow, but – and they're incredible for what they're doing on it. And you would never know because it's like, that's the weird dude who sits behind home plate. Yeah, and another aspect of this is it too is a lot of times catchers are paired with pitchers. Who Pitchers are who I would say would be the next most difficult position because you're in a very similar role as the catcher kind of like controlling the game a lot. But with the catcher, as opposed to pitchers, you're still responsible for batting three, four times a game where pitchers, whether they do hit or not, depending on what league they are, but... Even the National League pitch, pitchers aren't great hitters. But catchers, while they typically aren't as good of hitters, they're still expected to hit, you know, Decently. above 200. Like, right. you look at Salvador Perez, he hit 45 home runs or whatever. And Yachty's been a good clutch hitter over his career. Buster Posey's been a good hitter. Joe Maurer, I mean, it's... it's had some bats. Johnny Bench going back, old school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of different components of it. Yeah, and I, you know, the bat is something I didn't even bring into that, but... You do have because like pitchers, no one gives a shit. If Clayton Kershaw never hit a hit his entire career, our Hall of Fame conversation doesn't change. You know, like right, right. But like a catcher, it's like yeah, if you bat one ten, you know, you're out. What's interesting too is you form these relationships, these batteries. Yeah. So one I point to is we were talking about Kershaw. You have Will Smith, way better batter. That's LA's everyday catcher. Clayton Kershaw wants Austin Barnes there. Right. That's his guy. Yeah. And so it talks to that relationship and that chemistry. And it really, you know, when you see a pitcher shake off, and that's where, you know, shaking your head, I don't want to, I don't like that pitch that you're calling. You know, when you do that in a row, it kind of sets up a position in the batter's favor when there's this, so that flow, it all matters. And that definitely, it's just, it's so complex and it looks so remedial. It's just like, okay, catch the ball. Yeah. But there's so much behind it. I mean, you need to you need to know full personnel of the other team and what their strengths and weaknesses are, and your pitcher's strengths and weaknesses while controlling the whole flow of the game. I think it's definitely the most difficult position. I would almost relate it to playing a sport, like in a football tournament, playing a sport while also being the defensive coordinator. Like, right, right, right. Like you're you're having a full three hours of mental work ahead of you, while also the physical toll. The other one I maybe toss in the conversation. I agree with. Pitchers up there, I think that's because the stress that you get into yeah. in those situations, because you have the pressure, right? We talk about Kershaw, you give up the big home run. You it's just a pure difficulty standpoint of throwing specific pitches and framing. And hitting, getting a frame. Frame. Spot, I mean, yeah. it's an incredible skill, and that's also why pitchers are paid ridiculous. Right, right. Uh, but I'd also toss up that if you go position, obviously, like position players, I think, Shortstop, you know, middle infield's kind of one up there, but I maybe say center field just because the sheer amount of ground that you have 
You're covering what two hundred feet basically. Yours. I would say center field is toughest outfield position and shortstop for a similar reason is the most difficult infield position because of just purely the amount of ground that you're supposed to cover. Um, and, and also, you know, you have to have an insane arm strength from both center field and shortstop. It's not an easy throw to first. Um, but you, I agree there. I think also with the shortstop, you have some of the mental game going on with the shift, double play. You know, I'm standing the double play, holding runners on. You know, the mental play you get in the outfield, not as much, but it is you have to read the thing, right? When you these balls that are cracked 105 off the barrel of the bat, if you can't read that instantly, you take one step forward and you need it back, that's base hit. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's an incredibly hard sport. And let's just talk about in general, just batting. Yeah. I mean, just hitting a damn 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah, it's no easy ask, no easy ask. And, and so back to the catcher, like, combining that difficulty of hitting a baseball with all the everything that goes into catching and what is i would say as a catcher their hitting is like the fifth most important thing they do right, right. and then like calling a game stop a block pitches holding like so it's it's a lot so i i think if we're in agreement then that's just a lot right I mean, yeah i mean I, I i imagine that would be the plurality of responses that we would get on the same question i think catcher is is up there and, and all the injuries you take too we don't need to drag this out but all the injuries that you get as a catcher too from foul tips off any part of your body and you know baseballs to the the fastball to the mask if you don't catch it getting crossed right. plays at the plate can be cause injuries Sleep, yeah and, you know tough guys um but i think you know on the hardest position I, I think we're through that but what i'd like to point out we've never called to this yet uh, it is December 31st. Yeah. So happy new year, baseball fans. Happy new year, Max. Yes, sir. Uh, happy new year. To celebrate, let's review 2021. You know? Yeah, so good year for baseball. Good year, good for, year baseball. for baseball. I actually would say it was a big jump in terms of what I finally saw this year. This is the most relevant I think baseball has been, at least in this younger demographic, ever since yeah. I've been alive. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I think... Um, and I guess we can jump right into this. So we're going to do 2020 and re- 2021 and review all the best things about baseball. But I like what you said. I think, one, we came off the 60-game COVID season, and so now we're back to a full season of baseball. Incredible. Um, and I think there are just a lot of young stars. I mean, Fernando Tatis, Shohei Otani, uh, Tim Anderson. All these players bring so much swag and new style. Robert Acuna, uh, Juan Soto. I mean, these are, these are, these are big-time baseball players who bring a lot of kind of modern era, new age uh, looks to baseball that I think is appealing to a lot of people. And a little, you know, flair, marketability. So I think we've been able to see, you know, some of the TikTok stuff get incorporated. The other thing that I think so happy it happened and was giant for growing the sport is they took MLB The Show, they put it on all platforms, Xbox and all that, and somehow that released time perfectly where, and I never expected it, that was like the game, that was the hot game across everyone. I don't right, know if it was right. like in that COVID period, but that game blew up. You had the stars in it. You know, the Field of Dreams game, yeah. Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah. Yes, and they did a lot. The, the league, I think, finally took the right steps of starting to market their game instead of they were almost anti-marketing. So I'm hoping we keep on that path. That's kind of our goal here with this pod. Is yeah, like, I mean, that was one of the things I wanted to bring up that we didn't put on our note sheet, but the... Um, the Field of Dreams game, I mean, I think that was a great, great new addition to baseball. And now they're doing it every year. I think it's Reds-Cubs next year, which, you know, maybe not the best game to put. But but that the Yankees-White Sox game was, was, was I mean, 
one game on this stage and to have it be the type of game that it was, I mean, that was just a that was just a win in almost any aspect. I think that was best regular season game. Bar none. It was one of the highest rated ever. I mean, sure. I watched I, I watched a lot of the Sunday night baseball. I watched water random games. That game was just great baseball. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just slugfest, slugfest in the ninth. Um, kept ping pong in the Tim league. Tim Anderson walk off. It, it was just game couldn't have gone better. It was an incredible moment for baseball. Excited they're sticking with. I hope they keep moving this. I'm hoping they do that at a bigger scale, maybe like Sandlot. Yeah. Start recreating yep. just all these moments. That would be. That's what just keep marketing this thing. Baseball is fun. Baseball is cool. Right. You just need to show people. Yeah. Field of Dreams was a win for sure. How about uh? How about how many no hitters we saw? I mean, most in modern era baseball. Uh, nine no hitters plus two seven inning uh, shortened game no hitters from Mad Bums and the combined seven inning no hitter the Rays. I mean, you're nine no hitters total plus the two extra ones. That's more than the seven that was originally set in 90, 91, 12, and 15. Um, and this is obviously modern day too. I think in like the 1800s there were 12 in a season or something. Right. But but it's a different game. Um, the the other thing I would say is that we saw. So the nine no-hitters are still kind of jaw-dropping, wow, but kind of underwhelming at this point, and that's because prior to June in the season, so we're still super early in the season, we had six no-hitters. So we're thinking, oh my gosh, we're about to see a modern era, 15, 20 no-hit. I mean, they were just left and right coming in, flying in, Wade Miley, this, that, uh, I mean, it was just everyone. Yeah, how about we go, I mean, so we started with Joe Musgrove on April 9th. Uh, shout out my birthday against the the Rangers um, with the Padres. Then we had Carlos Rondon against the Cleveland now Guardians with the perfect game until the ninth inning when he when he hit um, I think it was Nader on the the Indians. Um, I was rooting for that perfect game. You always got to root for a perfect game, um, but that that was a close one. And obviously Rondon was um, or Rodon. I'm sorry was one of kind of the, the the big stars of 2021 who came out of nowhere. Then you had John Means with the Orioles on May 5th, Wade Miley with the Reds again against the Indians on May 7th, Spencer Turnbull with the Tigers against the Mariners on May 18th, Corey Kluber with the Yankees on May 19th. Then you had a combined no-hitter for the Cubs with Zach Davies, Ryan Tempera, Andrew Chaffin, and Craig Kimbrell. Boo. Against the Dodgers. <laughs> and then Tyler Gilbert of uh, the Diamondbacks did it on August 14th against the Padres. And then you had Mad Bums, uh, seven-inning seven no-hitter, and then the Tampa Rays combined no-hitter in seven innings now, as well. The seven-inning no-hitters are a little weird. How do you deal with it, right? Because you didn't do yeah. the thing. You didn't do the – because, I mean, how many no-hitters have been blown in the ninth and the eighth? I mean, Too you, many to count. You, too many <laughs> that you can't count seven, but it's like – well, you did the damn job. You finished the. You started the game. You finished the game. You didn't give up a hit. Like right, right, you right. can't get a better start. It's kind of crazy. Feel bad for those guys. Would love. I think in that case, I would love. That's where Rob Manfred could kind of grow up, grow a little set, and call it in and go. Fuck it. We're adding two innings. See, but I don't. Yeah, I. I don't think that they should count as no hitters. I mean, they didn't throw nine no hit no hit innings of baseball. No, I don't think they did. And that's where I think it's a league disservice. I think you go, yeah, we're trying to preserve this, but guys, we're talking special. These are special moments. These are marketable moments. Tag two on. Everyone will survive. <laughs> like live, if he has a no hitter, just be like, let's keep playing. Yeah, you literally like you call him in, you get get the headset on the the crew chief, bang, we're going nine. All right, make it happen. Yeah. Um, so the no hitters. I mean, that was crazy. Still finished with nine. And obviously, that's a new rule too. The, the seven innings uh, double yeah. header, which you know, make up for COVID games. Right. Right. 
Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that was a major topic 2021, especially prior to June when it was it felt like every week somebody was throwing a no-hitter, which is so atypical. Um, I can't believe we didn't get to double digits, truthfully. I, was like, <laughs> I thought we might hit 20. Um, yeah. So they did. Now, players were complaining about the ball, saying it's pitcher-friendly. Look at all these no-hitters. So. Yeah. I mean, I, and the year before, it was hitter-friendly with all the home runs. So. Right. They'll and never we, get And it. we covered that, that story of the, the maybe they the use different balls. balls yeah. Different balls at the Field of Dreams game. Oh, but, definitely. <laughs> but uh, I think that kind of hits on that. Other big, important news, obviously, you had the Braves finally cross their hump. Yeah, uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, yeah they... 2021 World Series champions, so congratulations to them. And may I add, they did it without Ronald Acuna Jr. That is the stat that blows my mind. Their best player, MVP caliber player, on the bench cheering. That's when he gets his first ring. And I think a lot of it has to do with picking up Solaire midseason when when that Acuna injury happened. They pick up Solaire, who just absolutely blew up, hitting huge home runs in the World Series and just playing great throughout the year. Um, but... But yeah, I mean, you have the Austin Riley revelation, who really became one of the top third basemen in baseball. Yeah, Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson. I mean, they did great at the deadline. I love Jocktober. Even on the Braves, even against the Dodgers, Jocktober's nice. Yeah, obviously Freddie Freeman. um, was great. Maybe not anymore, but was great. Dansby, Ozzy Albies. I mean, you got got a great set of players there, and obviously the much-deserving World Series champions. in, in a fun World Series, too. Um, I think kind of all of America was rooting for them against the Astros. No one wants to see the Astros win. Um, so, yeah, it was a good season. It was I'll, nice to see Atlanta get one. I'll tell you, that was a particular, particularly painful moment for me because right after Atlanta beat L.A., which one I, I was upset about. Obviously, I always want L.A. to go to this. It's yeah. not too upset because you can't get greedy. We had the 3-1 blow it. When, you know, you got to take take some punches there. But within two minutes, I instantly was the Braves' biggest fanboy tweeting support of them because it's just like he, there's no no university Astros can win this damn thing. So at least they also they took care of business. When America yeah. was behind them, they delivered. And the best part about that World Series, the championship parade. <laughs> uh, Atlanta, it is clear that that city has not seen championships frequently because this, this parade – you have your buses, you know, everyone's on there, trophy, pictures, smiling, beers. That's a normal parade. You're driving 10 miles an hour waving. No, no, no. Not the Braves. The Braves don't have time for that. They just won, going 20, 30 miles an hour, just flying. <laughs> There's these great videos on Twitter of it, just the guy recording the bus, and it's just, and it's literally a 10 second video, it flies by. You just can't even make out any players. See a trophy. It's great. So, yeah, great team, great city. I mean, what a likable team, too. Obviously, Freddie Freeman might be one of the most likable guys in baseball. Dansby Swanson, Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley, even Acuna. I mean, Acuna is one of the best young players in baseball. Just a great team, and they, they'll they have their chance to win it again next year. I mean, they still got great players and only getting better with Acuna back. Well, when you look at even if Freeman leaves in free agency, you still have Acuna back. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. this team is still a very solid team, so I think they... They got what was due to them. Talking about solid teams, that's kind of the next thing of 2021 news that I think you have to touch on. And it was kind of a sad moment for baseball in general. I I had a little bit of a tear. Uh, Mm. But that's got to be the – well, of course, the Cardinals (laughs) fan is like, this was the best day of my life. But uh, that's got to be the Cubs breakup. You know, at the deadline, obviously, you see the Cubs send Chris Bryant to San Francisco. You see Anthony Rizzo get on the Yankee pinstripe grind. I believe they sent Kimbrel cross town to uh, 
the White Sox. Javi Baez, the Mets. Javi. So it's just, you know, that team that came together and won the 2016 World Series, which I might add. I Unfortunate. Unfortunate. That was for the Indians, uh, the hometown team. I will say I was at that game. It was a great moment to be at because, you know, obviously the curse. And so that's the team that broke the curse. Huge World Series, you know, for Chicago, for Illinois, all those people. Game changers, you know, statue. This was statue type players. They'll probably get a statue altogether. Um, and, you know, it was just sad because they, they were like, well, I know as a Cardinals fan, you're like, yeah, but like in a general baseball sense, like, okay, these guys, you know, Rizzo's, they were a fun duo, fun trio, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I, I'm not a Cubs fan. I don't like a lot of those players, but um, they were a historic team. You know, they won the World Series in 2016, breaking that curse, and all these guys have been there ever since. Um, I don't like Chris Bryant, and this shouldn't be about why I don't like them, but Chris Bryant said St. Louis is a boring city and all this nonsense, and Javi Baez is just... We, we touched on Javi well, Baez before. He's just a funny player. But, um, I mean, you got to love Anthony Rizzo. He's, he's like, similar to Freddie Freeman and just, like, and that not duo, like the guy. That duo together is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rizzo. But just a historic team. I mean, their, their names will go down in Cubs history, breaking the streak. Um, and, and Cubs, I guess, now are entering this kind of rebuild mode. They don't have a lot of amazing talent, but... They, they've got some players, and we'll see kind of how they stack up in the Central. I, I, I don't expect them to compete for the division title, but but sad moment, sad moment. You know, and, like, what was hard about it is you saw, like, there's pictures going around Twitter of, like, Rizzo, his family taking a picture all standing yeah. in the Ivy, and that's just kind of like a, you know, little tear there. I will say I feel very blessed. I made it to a game uh, in Wrigley, got to see that trio play before yep, they were yep. traded. So it was just a great... Good luck for baseball. So that was definitely big news. I'm um, kind of talking about segueing off that. You have Chris Bryant going to the Giants. Yeah, well, what a surprise that was. I mean, they not, were supposed to be bad. Like, not, oh, decent. They were supposed to be bad. They were supposed to lose the NL West, and here they are, best record in all of baseball. All of baseball. I mean, they went, to, and, and every single week, every month, I kept saying, it's a flu, you know, they'll cool off. Yeah, this they'll cool off. This they'll isn't cool sustainable. Off. This isn't what's going on here. Plus playing against the Dodgers and Padres every week. I mean, the it, NOS is arguably one of the toughest divisions, and they're just they, smoking. They won 107 games or something crazy like that. Um, with a team of with of Buster Posey, who's now retired, and Brandon Crawford, who's been there forever. Brandon Belt been there forever. Yeah, I mean. I, I mean, they're, you know, Gaza. This team yeah, was just, gospel. there's no, until they brought in, Chris Bryant really is probably the biggest name on that team at oh, the end yeah. of the season. They had some guys historically, but they should not have, it's not even like, oh, they shouldn't have won the NOS. They should have been competing with the Diamondbacks for bottom of the NOS, and instead <laughs> they were top of baseball. And I will say, it led to a great moment for the playoffs, and that's got to be, was the Dodgers-Giants. You have both of them, the Giants, uh, set their franchise win streak this season. The Dodgers tied their franchise win streak, and they got to play heated rivals. First time they ever played in the playoffs. Great battle. It was a great battle. We saw it go in my favor. That was worth. That made the playoffs, even though they didn't win a World Series, uh, kind of a win. But that's. I mean, I don't think there's any chance San Francisco comes back anywhere near this level. But and what I'll say is, I agree. I don't think there's any chance to do. But I also would say there's no chance San Francisco wins 107 games last year. But they did it and. Um, but I, I think there's more to say about, you know, this upcoming year and them not having as good of a chance. Because Buster Posey's gone, Chris Bryant's a free agent, Gossman left. Um, so I, I think now they're kind of going to enter that, that rebuild period. Um, 
but but it was a, it was a good they were a fun team. It was, you gotta love Buster Posey, and I I've always loved Brandon Crawford, um, and I guess we'll we'll see. Obviously, they're losing some of their pitching, but it was a fun story. Um, you anything I mean, else to add on the yeah, Giants? Yeah, I mean the only thing I would say is I do have to give my props to Gabe Kepler. Yeah. I mean I think it did he win Manager of the Year? Uh, I'm not sure. Let's fact check that. I, I forget. I think he did. He should have. I, I think there's no way. Yeah, National League Manager of the Year for 2021. Rightfully deserved. I mean, you take a team that should have been at the bottom of that. So I think it speaks to him really like, okay, they have their guy. And I'm excited because as a Dodgers fan, I was upset with this Padres having this weird fake rivalry with L.A. where it's like, stop. <laughs> I'm excited that there were some actually really great exciting rivalry games there. But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping they pipe down a little bit. That was a ridiculous 107 win. So definitely a huge shocking point on the season. Yeah, and I think maybe one more thing we can add here. And we touched on this a lot. We did a whole segment on it. But you got to give a shout-out to Shohei Otani. I mean, he was the, the face of baseball this year. Absolute monster. Unanimous MVP. Really was a constant storyline throughout the whole year, whether it was his pitching or the home run race. Really, really something remarkable. Well, and I think the other thing to talk about with Otani is before this year, the potential was always through the roof. I mean, this kid, when he came over, that all the teams were bidding and negotiating. Like, he's always been a huge name and prospect, but it was never, there was always injury. It was never consistent to where you're like, okay, this is a guy. This is the MVP. And this was the coming out party where we saw, okay, this guy truly is what we all thought he is gets his MVP, and now, you know, as I don't know how many times we'll have to say this, but until the Angels buckle in, I mean, you've got it. I mean, the, he is a legit, bona fide face of baseball. That's what we learned in 2021. He's yeah, a face of baseball. Definitely, and I think he still will be uh, as long as he stays healthy. Um, I hope he I hope he does well. Um, I mean, I think those were the major highlights of 2021. Maybe we missed something. We probably missed something. Um, but... Hopefully, 2022 gives us some more amazing moments. I want to uh, I want to toss something in on the fly. Let's hear it. on the hot seat a little bit. <laughs> One resolution for baseball going forward. So something that just, like, let's not bring this into 2022. Um, I mean, I kind of touched on this last week, but, like, let's, let's stop letting pitchers bat. I think it's pointless and just causes injuries and takes, takes pitchers out of rotation. Um, but... You know, I don't think there's too much. I, I really enjoy baseball. I, I like some of the additions they've had. I don't necessarily like the runner on second rule, but that's a whole different story. Um, I think 2021 was a fantastic year for baseball, and I, I'm hoping the momentum goes into 2022. Hopefully less injuries, injuries at a minimum, so you can keep players like Trout and Acuna out there. Um, well, I was just going to say, I have to add in my resolution. Let's hear I, I have a little bit of a different one. And I'm sick and tired of these baseball old heads. Leave it in 2021. These people that are screaming at Fernando Tatis to face a baseball because he's hitting grand slams. That dude is paid to hit baseballs out of Petco Park, Petco Field. That's his job. So leave all of that. These, you know, old managers, you know, your boy. Tony LaRusso. Yeah, Tony LaRusso bitching out his own players. for ne- If you're going to throw me a 60-mile-an-hour ball straight down the middle and i got bonuses and home run incentives i'm gonna hit that thing 540 feet that's what happened it's what should happen home runs are great if you don't want a home run hit off you you don't want the bat flipped be better at pitching leave all that in 2021 
I want baseball as exciting as possible. I want bat flips. I want pitchers doing the Tiger Woods fist pump. I mean, I want the game to be as exciting as possible. And as you said, 2021, awesome year for baseball. I feel like this is the first time we've seen it turn the corner. And instead of decline, it's finally kind of going up. So let's just, you know, let's figure out the CBA and let's keep rolling. Yeah, let's keep the momentum up. Hopefully the bargaining agreement's, uh, you know, finalized soon. We can get out of the lockout. But I think that wraps it up for episode four. I think it was a good episode right around the 40-minute mark. Um, I think we covered a lot of topics today. Hopefully people found it pretty interesting. I think I think this was a pretty entertaining episode. I like it. And I would say, uh, you know, give us your feedback, interact. What, what are you thinking? Hardest position to play, you know. Are you on the weird side of the fence that you think Kirsch isn't in the Hall of Fame? I'd love to get in a Twitter debate. And who should we do next? Yeah, who should we do? I mean, anything. Any uh, segment suggestions? We'll do it all. Uh, of course, follow the podcast uh, on Spotify. And Thank you for listening. Hit the Twitter, rounding third now. That's 3RD, rounding third. First now. episode of the new year coming next Friday. Yeah, it should be good. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year.